Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Kylie Camps, and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking, and cultivating more self love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant, and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to today's podcast. I have had a little bit of a break from social media and also just from putting any podcasts out there over the last week and a half-ish because I've moved house. So it's been a big process. Moving on your own is no joke, Um, but I'm in the new place. I'm recording this little intro from my new bedroom. So that's exciting. I am just sliding in here before this episode to share with you that this episode in particular is the one that I wanted to lead with because it's a conversation I really, really enjoyed having. And I think a lot of you will enjoy listening as well. And you'll definitely, if you, I shouldn't say definitely, but if you have enjoyed other books I've recommended, then it is highly likely you will want to race to your nearest bookstore and grab Jessie's book. So before I tell you a little bit about Jessie and our chat, I wanted to mention that this episode is brought to you by my friends at Esme. I have an incredible Esme offer to share with you today. The last time I shared a similar Esme offer like this, you guys loved it. Esme said a lot of you took advantage of it. So that makes me happy to hear because like you, I love being able to get a great deal. And so this particular deal is one where you will get a free mini skin treat of your choice when you spend over $60. So Esme is the skincare brand that I have been using exclusively for years. I am absolutely obsessed with their products. They are such great value for money because they really, really do deliver. You know how sometimes you will invest in a product and you kind of can't really tell whether it's making a difference? I've truly found that with each and every Esme product I've ever used, I can see a difference and I can feel a difference. And that is so important because it is an investment. And when you're spending money on things like this, you really do want to feel like it's making a difference and see a difference. And I stand by Esme 100%. Not only do they create products that really over deliver 
and are designed to target specific skin concerns. They also have a customer service team that really over deliver as well. They will chat you through items and products that are going to really, really help you with your specific skin concerns and address your skin goals. So you can chat with the skincare team from Esme via the phone, like actually talk to a real human via the phone or by the chat feature on their website. They are there to help you. So whether it's dry skin, pigment issues, acne, whatever it is, have a chat with them. So back to the offer. If you spend $60 or more on Esme products, so perhaps you jump over and you grab yourself a full-size skin treat or a cleanser or some SPF or whatever it might be, then when you put this code in, which is KYLIEGIFT, all in capitals, so K-Y-L-I-E-G-I-F-T in capitals, you then get to choose, which I love. So they're not just saying, oh, we're going to give out, you know, free skin treats of this kind because we've got excess stock. No, they're saying we want you to choose one that's going to be right for you. You then get to choose the right one for you and add that to your cart as well. So that code for the free gift with purchase is Kylie Gift. You could then choose a mini hyaluronic hydrating serum, which is their iconic light blue serum, which is super, super hydrating. It's beautiful or a mini 24 karat gold nourishing oil, my personal favorite skin treat because it smells so luxurious and it gives you a real glow, or a mini anti-redness minty green smoothie, again, beautiful, the mini pomegranate brightening serum, the mini acai balancing face oil, a mini detoxifying charcoal serum, or a mini anti-aging serum. Now, just on the detoxifying charcoal serum, I love that one. I use that weekly, particularly because I do use fake tan on my face. Um, I know I probably shouldn't, but I do. So I will cleanse twice, use the gentle foliant and then the detoxifying charcoal serum. And it's really, really great for your pores. So jump over to esme.com, E-S-M-I.com. The link is in the show notes. Use that code KylieGift But get in quick because this offer will end in 48 hours. So jump on it if you are in need of some skincare or perhaps you have a friend's birthday coming up or something like that. So that code Kylie Gift free mini skin treat. Now let's get stuck into my chat with Jessie. Before we do, I'll tell you a little bit about her. Now, if you are a regular consumer of podcasts, and you are a woman in your 20s or 30s, you will have likely heard of Jessie Stevens. She is a host of about a million podcasts over on the Mamma Mia network. And it was such a pleasure to speak with her about her first ever book, Heart Sick. I reached out to Jessie via Instagram, slid in to her DMs after I finished Heart Sick to tell her how much I loved her book. And like most things, if I really love something, I also want to get on the podcast and make a big song and dance about it because I just, I don't know, I love sharing the things that I love. And with this book in particular, 
I recommended all of my girlfriends go and grab a copy and every single one of them has said they have loved the book and they have just wanted to get through it like cover to cover and find out how everything how everything turns out. And that's why I reached out to Jesse because it's such a unique skill, I believe, to take stories and these are real stories that Jesse takes and she makes them just so beautiful and relatable. But when I say beautiful, I don't mean beautiful as in wow, like so easy to consume because it's really palatable. I mean, beautiful because it's so real. And that's what I felt when I was listening. I went the audio version of Heartsick. I now have the paper copy as well. But when I was listening to Heartsick, I just found myself going, oh my gosh, like this is so real. And it's It's so hard, but there's something so beautiful about the vulnerability of getting a little bit of a peek behind the curtain of someone else's heartache. And I know that's kind of one of those funny paradoxes, I guess, to say it's beautiful, but it's raw and it's real. And so Heartsick is a book that has three stories in it. And I will let Jesse tell you about those stories during our interview, but it's definitely one of those books that... I wanted to finish because like, and I wanted to finish it quickly because I was thinking about all of the people in the book. Like, like, you know, when you read a book and you just develop a fondness for the characters, that's this book. And so I won't waffle on here too much because I know in my chat to Jesse, I was, you know, probably borderline fangirl. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just really appreciate this book. And so the book is Heartsick. In our conversation, we talk about that unique pain of going through a heartbreak and what happens, you know, how do you process it all? It's not, um, it's not a book that is offering like your seven steps to get over a heartbreak or anything like that. It's a book, as I said, that just really encompasses such a human experience. And so let's get into my conversation with the wonderful Jesse Stevens. Jesse, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to have this conversation with me. As I said to you before I hit record, I'm just so excited to speak with you because this is a book that I devoured. Thank you so much. Thank you for your excitement about about the book. It really means a lot. And thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Now, I listened to the audio version of Heartsick when it was first released. And as I said, like I was just so enamored with the stories in the book. It's one of those um, those books for me that I simultaneously wanted to get to the end of it because I wanted to just know everything about it. But I also didn't want it to end because it's so real and so captivating and I think it's like it's rare when you find a book that you can truly dive into and feel like you're part of. So congratulations. You've written an incredible book. Thanks. Um, and I'm so glad that was your, your experience. It's funny. I've got a few messages like that from, from people saying the same thing, which is like I'm racing through it, but then I have to hold myself back because I don't want it to end. So that's exactly what you want out of a book. I love that. 
Yes, and I found myself like thinking about the characters, you know, and I don't know whether characters is the right term, but I found myself thinking and really caring about the people in the book, which, as I said, that's just, it's a credit to your writing. Um, so why, why this book? Why this topic? This topic, I think, grabbed me because it's something, when you write a book, when you do any long-form project, it has to be something that you're not going to get sick of thinking about very quickly. And this is a topic for me that I've thought about for years and years and I find endlessly fascinating. The more I stare at it, the more I want to dig. Uh, and I've been, you know, affected by heartbreak as I realised, having now released this book, um, virtually everyone has. And what I'm most interested in creatively is putting words around experiences that make us feel the most alone. And when I was heartbroken, I would grasp so tightly onto words that explained my experience and that um, articulated this feeling that I didn't quite understand. And I wanted to provide that for people because when we're in a moment of personal crisis, uh, we don't want to look away often. We don't want to be distracted and we don't want necessarily to be helped out of it with 10 simple steps because they work um, and also because it's dismissive of the period that we're in. And I think that there's a personality type and I'm one of them that you want to delve into that crisis to fully understand it. And so same, I'm right there with you. <laughs> exactly. This, this book was a book that didn't exist on the shelves and I looked for it at so many periods throughout my 20s. And so I think a lot of people who write books say this. It was, I wrote the book I thought I needed. It's so true. Like when you're going through a, a breakup and heartbreak, I think that's why we're drawn to finding those quotes that speak to us. Cause it's like, yes, like that quote or that poetry, like that captures yeah. this feeling of falling and breaking and everything like that. And as you said, putting words to it, it just, it makes you feel seen and understood in a time that's otherwise, um, the word I keep coming back to is really discombobulating. Like you just feel pulled apart and you're not sure which way is up. So having something that kind of goes, you know what, I see you, I feel you and you can be in this and that's okay. is so comforting. Exactly right. I, I agree that it's completely discombobulating um, and you end up having a crisis of self-esteem, a crisis of self, and you don't know who you are and you try and reinvent it and you're stuck in this period of self-loathing, I think. And I, I just think exploring that and learning through stories of other people and this is what I gravitated towards when I was in my moments of heartbreak is I would find myself trawling the internet trying to find stories of people who had felt what I felt and when you read you go oh it's not just me it's not me that there's something wrong with it is this universal human experience and it is our moments where we're most alone that make us the most human and therefore the most connected it's a it's a real paradox 
It is, and you just feel less insane. And you've done such a beautiful job at capturing these stories. So for those people who are listening along and they're like, oh, I'm still not quite sure what this book's about, tell us like the overarching kind of concept. So the concept is basically, it's putting words around heartbreak, but I did it through um, three stories um they were based off long form interviews so they are true stories but they are written I say in the style of fiction so a lot of people do call them characters and I completely agree with that because it's not their real names and it's told in narrative so it flicks between three people Anna Patrick and Claire and it sets up their lives it explores the experience of falling in love and then it basically asks the question what happens when heartbreak completely upends a life and Anna is a woman in her mid-40s she's been married for 25 years and she has someone from her life who sort of represents the one who got away and what unfolds is um an affair and it's basically a choice about the new and the old. And then there's Patrick who falls in love with Caitlin. And the question is, does Caitlin love him as much as he loves her? And then there's Claire who goes to London to find herself and she ends up with Maggie. Um, And then one day she finds a photo on Maggie's phone and that sort of changes her life forever. And it explores the fallout of of that. And it's very true to their experiences. But in order for you to write a compelling story, you know, there's very clear dialogue and all that kind of thing, which isn't a transcript, but it's not a transcript, but it's uh, basically a a retelling of their experience. So I read fiction and I wanted this to read like fiction, but you just have in the back of your mind the whole time these stories are actually true. Yes, and I think that's what is so captivating because it's so true, it's so real. In each and every story and experience that you shared, I could relate, you know, I could relate in different ways. You know, I could see myself in some parts or see other people that I know and it all just, it's so real, but the way you tell the story is so beautiful so how did you find these people like how do you begin the process of going you know what I'm going to tell your story and I need to know all the ins and outs and then I'm going to sort of add a bit of color to it like how did you find these people I uh did a call out um I'm on a podcast that has a community on Facebook with about 20,000 people in it and so I jumped in. Just a small, just a small podcast. Yeah, you're on. You're on a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I'm, I'm on a few. You're kind of a big deal. <laughs> and so it was this. I, I was lucky to have a community who um, who were engaged, and I didn't want to tell them what I was doing. So I said um, I was doing a feature on heartbreak, and I did a bit of a call out, and I got inundated with messages just the most fascinating stories but I knew what I was looking for so I knew I wanted infidelity I knew I wanted a man and I knew that I wanted a uh, same-sex relationship and so I was carefully looking through to find those and I also knew from 
how much fiction I read, what I needed to have a really, really good story. And it couldn't just be this one note. It had to be a really complex character um, and sort of the the story had to take me in really unexpected directions. And so I spoke to a number of people and there was a lot of um, you need to speak to my friend or, uh, you know, there's someone I know and I got sort of passed through to these people. And once I spoke to these three subjects on the phone, I got off the phone and just went, yeah, that's them. That's like. You just had a knowing. I knew immediately because it was um, it, it was a story that as soon as I got off the phone, I wanted to yell at everyone I knew because I found it so, so fascinating. And I spoke to them over the period of putting the book together. We spoke on the phone, on, um, you know, Zoom and all that kind of stuff. We did messages, emails. They forwarded me emails with the person, images, um, diaries that they kept at the time. I was, the most shocking thing from the whole process to me was how much these people who owed me absolutely nothing, um, how much they were willing to just put everything on the table. And I think the reason for that was that it was cathartic and everyone else in their life had stopped listening and they felt validated and maybe like their story meant something and they had this person that kept asking questions and I think they quite liked that I I hope that it was quite therapeutic for them oh I'm sure it would be I mean I know myself I um separated from my husband two years ago so I've been through a divorce and then I've also been through a breakup recently and you do just you just want to talk about it and you you can see your friend's eyes glazing over at times and you're like, oh gosh, okay, I need to shut up and move on. So I can imagine how therapeutic and cathartic, as you mentioned, it would be for these people just to sort of spill it all out. Did you find at all that it was like traumatizing for them at at points? Because there's some heavy stuff in the book. Really heavy. Um, And I had to be really careful with that because there are questions as a journalist that you ask that you know are going to make people really uncomfortable and you have to ask them in order for the work to be um fair uh I think with Anna's story um she she was so conflicted over what she had done um and there was a lot I probably spoke to her the most out of all the subjects and she um I was the only person in the world that knew her story. So that was even more responsibility. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, you you say, and, and I think that in the end she did, she went and spoke to a psychologist about it as well, which I think is, is important. Um, but I think she was working through her own trauma in, in a way through those conversations. And so I just knew... It was my job to be completely unjudgmental um, and and listen, I suppose. Um, and then, you know, if she did call or or we we had a chat, like I, I knew as well that this is a two way relationship. Um, and that's the thing is the you know I really like these three people. I, I think that you can't speak to anyone for that length of time and not like and understand them 
Um, they can imagine because even as a reader, Jesse, there's just a fondness, you know, as I said, even though there's heavy things in the book and there are, you know, moral, moral questions that come up, you can't help but have such a fondness because the way that you share their stories, it's so relatable. Yes, exactly right. Um, and of course, my, my other big thing ethically was that this was not going to be a book I was going to hand over to my publisher without having full permission from the three subjects. So often um, a journalist, you know, you're advised not to give it to your subject before because they might try and retract details of their stories or change them last minute, which, you know, isn't necessarily always true. Um, But this was their story and this was about conveying an ultimate truth. And so... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So before handing in the manuscript, I sent each of them their story. And they had full sign-off. If they wanted to take out a bit, if they wanted to change something, they absolutely could. And so that meant I could sleep at night because the last thing I wanted to do was exploit these people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, having integrity in that way is, you know, so honourable. But you can just feel it. You can feel it in the book that you do genuinely care about these people. And it makes it so much easier to digest tricky situations because, you know, so so often we think everything's black and white. It's like, you know, infidelity is this or, you know, breaking someone's heart is that. But it's so layered and it's so complex. And there are just times when it's like, oh, there's no wrong or right really here because it just depends on what lens you're looking at it through exactly right and I learned that more than ever um through this process that you know whether it's victim perpetrator or um the bad person or the good person in a relationship romance and love is so complicated and we make questionable decisions throughout our lives, but they're often the most interesting stories and we learn a lot about ourselves through through reading them. Mm, absolutely. And I'm sure that there are many things that you took away from these interviews. But I would love to know, did you like personally feel impacted? And the reason I'm asking is because when I was listening to the stories, it made me really reflective on different times in my life when I've had my heart broken or I've perhaps been the one to do the heartbreaking. Did you find it hard to listen to these stories and then get on with your day? I really did and I didn't realise it at the time. I think I thought it was the stress of writing a book but when I look back I realise it was more than that. It was the, the weight of carrying these stories of reliving pain and also um psychologically it's funny like I would go to bed and I would have these dreams of past relationships or of my current partner cheating on me or something and it kind of brought up all these fears as well because 
what the book reminded me of, which is a sort of a truth that we try and deny as much as we can, is that we try and sort of design our lives around a person and we think that that's solid. And what I learned looking at these stories was that it's, of course it's not. That person can pull the rug from under us at any moment because feelings change and there's no reason to it. So I think I became terrified that my partner would break up with me or that I would fall out of love with him or something. And that was scary and a reckoning that, you know, we don't hopefully think about too much in our lives. We aren't confronted with it. So I think I was uncomfortable for the, you know, nine or 10 months I was writing this. It's a, it's very uncomfortable subject matter. And when I finished writing it, I was like, oh, a weight's been lifted a little bit. Yeah, I bet. And it's it's so true because as humans, we are wired for connection and we want to seek that other person to, you know, attach to in a certain way. And we've all got different attachment styles, but we are wired to seek that person to kind of do life with. But there is that undeniable fact that, you know, things do change. And of course, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, they can change. And, you know, it's just, it's vulnerability. Yeah, exactly right. That's, and it's, um, yeah, there's an honesty in, involved in, in that, I suppose. And it's the ultimate humility as well, knowing that we don't deserve to have necessarily, we're not entitled to have this person to ourselves for our entire life. So I suppose there's an element of gratitude to that as as well. Um, And most of us love being in love. It's it's great. Uh, And we can't get too distracted by thinking of all the things that could go wrong, although I know a lot of people do, because I also realised through this project that heartbreak is in its own way traumatic it it oh massively (laughs) really enters into the relationship you have even if you're in a happy functioning relationship or you've been married for 30 years you can still be traumatized by this incident that occurred decades ago and the response to the book the stories I've heard from people are you know women in their 60s or 70s saying I remember what this boy did to me in primary school like those things stay with you because they feel like an attack on your on yourself um and it really imprints itself on you they do they shape your whole belief system I mean I have a really good friend who had a really traumatic experience as a teenager with you know her first love and now you know she's nearly 40 and it still calls the shots like she's still cannot move past a certain you know degree of closeness because she's still so triggered and terrified from something that happened when she was in her late teens so you know heartbreak can definitely be traumatizing and still call the shots even like you said as you get decades past it yes and the narrative is sorry I'm moving my my dog's getting a little bit um restless I'm letting her out here we go Go for it. The narrative we tell ourselves is that we should get over it in two weeks, really. We've probably got two weeks where we can talk to our friends and family about it and they'll listen, feel it deeply, have a cry, 
you know, get over it and then never think about it again. And that's not true. And I think we feel crazy, and I know I did, when I realised that, you know, there's someone who ghosted me six years ago and I only saw him for a couple of weeks and that still impacts me. Like it still sits in my head. And until we start saying those things out loud to each other, I think we're all going to feel mad that those things do stay with us. But it's very, very human and that's allowed to be the case. Absolutely. And I think it's just leaning into and reminding ourselves that, yes, when we can feel really deeply and we can be really hurt but that's just the other end of the stick of we can feel really deeply and we can be really loved and that's what I'm always reminding I've got twin boys and you know one of them in particular is really empathetic and sensitive and sometimes he gets frustrated that he has so many big feelings and I'm always saying to him you know I know things are hard because you feel so deeply but you can also use that to tap into feeling really happy as well and I just think it's so important that we remind ourselves of that balance of going, yes, we can be vulnerable and we can be hurt, but there's almost so, there's also so much to gain as well. Exactly. It's, it's a price we pay for the best. The entry fee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the, um, the best feelings that are available to us as, as humans. And that's I discovered that through this process too, that there is no heartbreak story without a love story. Three quarters of this is a love story. And that that still happened. Even if the ending isn't what we would have hoped, the love story still stands as its own narrative. And I, I think we can accept that and, um, you know, and still feel joy in it eventually. Yes. And I love what you just said there. That still happened. It still exists, even though perhaps, you know, it's, I guess what I, what I would love to get to is in the book, you talk about the fact that when we have breakups, there's no ceremony to mark the breakup, like, like in other milestones in life, you know, when you get married, when you have a baby, when you have a funeral, um, you know, when you lose someone, there's something that you can point to and go, something big has happened in my life. And here's a way to mark that. But when you have a breakup, it's like, poof, like everything that existed now just doesn't. And it's like, where does that thing go? So in exploring heartache, like, do you think that there is, you know, something that we should do or have to help us through it? Or is it just time? I think that we need to do better at creating ritual because it is the things in life that we have no ritual for and we have no script for grieving that end up being the hardest. So it's not just heartbreak. It's also, I think, miscarriage fits into this category. We yes. we don't know what to do. When we lose someone, um, we go to a funeral or when you leave your job, you have a farewell and there is this rite of passage that helps move you through it. When you have a miscarriage, when you have your heart broken, even the loss of a pet, there are these moments in life that aren't marked by anything and there is a loneliness and a heaviness that comes with that. And I think we've dismissed as we've become less and less religious, and I'm not 
religious, but what religion did do is that it had some incredible rituals and that brought people together. So I think we can design our own um, and ones around heartbreak. I mean, you see people go through their Instagram account and delete all the photos of them together and, you know, seen as yeah. something a bit trivial, but I get it. It's an attempt yeah. something with the feeling and it might be putting all their things in a box. It might be journaling. It might be getting that terrible haircut we all get after a breakup where we think we might look good with a fringe and we don't. Um, it might be, you know, sort of trying to reinvent our identity a bit. But in order for grief to move through us, I think we need to move. We need to do things um, and allow that pain to really travel. And so I think that's definitely part of it and the most important part of creating any ritual is to be surrounded by people and that's what funerals do that's what farewells do that's what weddings or baptisms or whatever it is we are surrounded by people who are bearing witness to this transitory moment in our lives and at at those moments of grief even though we feel like you know sitting in our cave and hiding from the world because we're mortified and we hate ourselves, um, we need to try and be around people and communicate how we're feeling because it becomes our greatest gift. What you can then give to people, if you are someone who has been through heartbreak, you will become a better friend, a better family member. Like you will have so much value to those around you because of the empathy that will live inside you and that's something that I hope I've been able to do by remembering so vividly that pain that when I sit with a friend and they're talking about it it's not like oh cheer up plenty of fish in the sea I will never say that because I'm like oh I can remember that and tell me more about it and I'm not going to give you some pleasantry cliche bullshit that's going to make you feel dismissed so I think trying to surround yourself with people and talking and talking is one of the best things we can do to process this kind of grief you're so right and I think that's the difference between sympathy versus empathy you know sympathy is I'm sorry that happened to you empathy is I know that how this feels and I'm going to feel this with you Mm-hmm. exactly yeah, you, you make such a good point about having people bear witness to the transition phases in your life. And when you're going through heartbreak, you do just want to hide under the doona and pretend that the world's not going on without you. But if you can take those actions and get up and surround yourself by people, rally your troops, have these people bear witness to what's going on. And again, it comes back to the start of our conversation of just being seen in your pain is so validating and it provides so much comfort and connection. Yeah, and the other feeling that I don't think we talk about enough and another reason why we tend to sort of hide under the doona is that heartbreak can be really, really embarrassing and humiliating and it makes you feel as though the world can suddenly see how unlovely. You're flawed. Yes, exactly, that you're like, okay, so I've got to tell everyone in my life that this failed. 
Yes, and that they got to know me really, really well um, and saw all of me and then they looked at me one day and went, I don't want it. And you think that when you tell people, they're going to start looking at you and going, oh, you are a bit much, you are a bit this, you are a bit that. And that's, I didn't allow myself to be vulnerable with people. I would sit there and dismiss it or pretend it was mutual or some bullshit that wasn't true. Um because it's embarrassing. A ghosting feels embarrassing, but you find the most connection and the most validation when you allow yourself to be a bit embarrassed. It's fine. It happens to all of us. Like it says nothing about you when someone breaks up with you. It is not a judgment on your character. And I think in just naming it and saying, I am humiliated. It's so much better to say that rather than try and stifle it. And, you know, speaking from experience, just um, maybe two, three podcast episodes ago, I uploaded a very real, honest episode where I talk about, you know, a very recent breakup where I said to this person after 14 months of being together, I'm in love with you. And they turned around and said that they're not, they don't feel that way about me. And so I shared that on my podcast episode and that has been the most listened to episode, you know, in all of the 200 episodes up there. And it's the episode that I'm getting the most messages about women saying like, thank you for sharing that because, you know, I say in the episode, like it is a special kind of humiliation when you think someone feels a certain way about you. So you feel safe enough to say it and they, they don't, you know, it, Again, you feel completely um, discombobulated because you thought you had a foundation that's not there. Exactly. And and it makes you question everything about your life because you totally. think, I thought I could trust my instincts and my senses and is that really a table? Because yes. <laughs> what, this person loved me and I can't trust my brain anymore. Um And, you know, there's a quote, I'm going to bungle it, but, you know, something about how when you shine light on shame, it ceases to be shamed. So if you're able to sit there and and put your shame on the table, you'll find that it will disappear. It's only going to thrive if, you know, you, you say, I love you to someone, they don't say it back, which so many people have had that experience. And then you never tell anyone because you're mortified. That That's not going to go anywhere if you don't just own it. And that's where sometimes the funniest conversations you can have are in the wake of those. where Because humour requires a level of vulnerability. Uh, and it, it connects you with, with other people. I think there's nothing less funny or less interesting than a love story sometimes. <laughs> Yes. And it's, it's so true, Jesse, like just in saying this thing happened to me and owning it and looking at it in the harsh light of day, or in my case with a podcast episode, um, it, it really does. It gives me perspective and it goes, huh, that happened like that. That's what happened. And you know what? That's, that's just life. And I took a risk and it's back to the risk versus reward. It's the price we pay of getting involved, of getting tangled up with someone. And at the end of the day, I would rather be the person that was able to go, I'm in love rather than the person that can't access those feelings. And it brings clarity to going, I want to be with someone 
who can look at me and go, I really deeply love you. So it's bringing it all to the surface rather than stuffing it down because I think in particular for everyone, but in particular for women, when we stuff down these things that we are carrying around, we'll often find that they come out in really, really unhelpful behaviours. Absolutely. Exactly right. And there's a a section of the book where I write about the feeling of spending time with someone who doesn't like you anymore, like who doesn't love you or doesn't like you. And that's the thing about heartbreak is I came to this realisation that I would rather have that relationship end than spend any more time with someone who does not feel as strongly about me as I do about them because what comes out is a level of cruelty. Uh, they can really affect your self-esteem. I, the liberation that comes with that ending means that you can still demand someone who feels the same way about you and we all deserve that. And if magic can strike once, it will absolutely strike again and we just have to believe in that. Absolutely. I would love to know, before I let you go, I would love to know because the people in your book do have pseudonyms and they're not sharing their true identity, do you know, Jessie, if the people in their lives know that they're in the book? Like does Patrick's Caitlin know that part of her story is in the book? I keep waiting to get the message. A message from Caitlin. (laughs) Caitlin, uh, because there are particular details that are changed. In some of them, it's place, um, obviously names, and there are a few, you know, just tweaks. But if that were me, I would know because of intimate details that have been shared. And my project in this book wasn't to present an objective perspective of a relationship. It was to present one side. So I've thought a lot about how I might feel if I were that other person and I stumble across it. I haven't received that message yet. Um, I wonder if Maggie will reach out or Paul is probably the one I'd be most worried about Um, or Caitlin. It hasn't happened yet, but I am certainly bracing myself because uh, you would know and I also think if you were the friend of one of these people, you would know. And, yes. Uh, you know, it's a it's a small world. I think eventually it's, it's going to come round and I'm interested to see what they think of it. Definitely. I, after I listened to your book, I sent a message to all of my closest girlfriends and said, you guys need to grab this book. It's amazing. And just this morning at school drop-off, one of my good friends was telling me that she just completely devoured the book as well. And she said that what keeps lingering for her is these people must know, like, you know, she was saying like, they must know that they're going to come across this book because it's so good. And they're going to read it and be like, holy shit, that's my, you know, that's part of my story. And so I did wonder about that. Exactly. Exactly. I I feel the same. Um, And I hope that, that I've been fair um, and that they're not too horrified by it. Um, But, yeah, it's a it's a scary thing. It'll be very interesting to see. <laughs> well, I think, as you said, the goal was not to give an objective, you know, dot point, you know, tit for tat type of situation. It was yeah. to share someone's experience. And 
you've you've done such a beautiful job and obviously I've raved about the book a lot. The book is Heartsick. Where can people pick it up? So you can grab it from your local bookstore um, anywhere in Australia or New Zealand. It's on Audible or Google Books. Um, or if you can't find it there, then jump onto Booktopia. And I say that because they have a real, they have really good delivery, and um, you can get it in. You know, it'll be delivered in two days or something. So you can find it at any of those places. Um, Heartsick by me. <laughs> Brilliant. And where can our listeners connect with you, Jessie? Where can we find you online? Um, I am on Instagram at Jessie Stevens. I think it's Jessie Stevens 90. Uh, I've got a Facebook page if you want to follow me there. Um, yeah. And I, I post lots about the book. I'll be bombarding you. So um, come and hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I'll make sure we pop all of those links in the show notes. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you this morning. And again, just a massive thank you from one fan and a reader. Thank you so much for your support. When you've written a book and you've invested as much time in a project, I cannot tell you how much support means. And the support from other women has just been really exciting. So thank you so much for sharing your platform. I really, really appreciate it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 